Some of our members are small business owners, and they know the secret to success is usually just that, a secret. So we built American Express Open Forum, an online community that helps our members connect and share ideas to make smart business decisions. We built this for our members, but we made it open for everyone. Connect at openforum.com. This is what membership is. This is what membership does. All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now at the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. Welcome, everyone, to another installment of Innovation Crush. Wow, that is, that is really good, Chris. Thank you very much. Uh, I only do that because I just got a compliment from our awesome guest, Nick Cooper. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 Nick Cooper. Could you kindly repeat well, what you what, said? Well, actually, what I said was, uh, you know, as you were speaking to warm it up, the me, me, and mum, mum. Me, 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 me. You know, la, 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 la. I said that you have the perfect radio voice. See? See? Yeah. So I told you, Robert. It goes it down well. So in case you guys don't know, this is uh, Innovation Crush, where we talk to some of the most amazing people behind some of the most amazing things that we can find out in the world. Um, my name is Chris Denson. You can find me at Densonology on Twitter. Uh, to my right is Robert Donez. That's me. Robert Donez Jr. How often is the junior important? Um, not very. Okay, good. You're just Robert Donez then. Oh, my dad would the, probably have something uh, well, to say about you know, that. Your dad's not listening to this nah. show. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and across from me is Nick Cooper. Um, Nick I'm not. Cooper. I'm gonna. I, you know, I want you to introduce you. Oh. Tell. But I, I will start with this though. The human voice has no better mentor, the spirit no better friend. That is you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, you know, I've had a wonderful career. I've actually uh, worked with many of the top pop stars today, from Beyonce to uh, Katy Perry. We've currently jumped off the TV show Opening Act. We were just on American Idol. And most important, I just came off tour with a gentleman named Lewis Hamilton, who we all know is, or some of us may know, uh, Chris, you're excluded. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's one of the top drivers for Formula One. Nice. Yes. Um, Why? Were you, were you, what happens when you go out with a Formula One driver? Well, um, you know, you immediately find out that they have $3 million cars and it's, you know, they make $40 million a year and... You know, it, it's just an extraordinary experience. But it was a it was a great opportunity for me because he's actually managed by Simon Fuller, mm. um, as we all know, created American Idol, and more important, he's one of the top drivers in the industry. So I had a wonderful opportunity to do some creative strategy for him and uh, and to help him kind of transition from racing to music. That's awesome. Um, so tell me who Nick Cooper is. What's like, because um, I, I read that quote. I'm assuming that was you, right? That you yeah. said that. Um, what does that quote mean, first of all? Um, I think the quote, first off, I think to first answer the question, who is Nick Cooper? I mean, that is the most, it's the most difficult question ever for me to answer. You know, I'd, I, I would like to say that I'm somewhat of an anomaly. To many people, I'm probably somewhat of a, you know, uh, a difficult nut to crack because they would like to liken me as a vocal coach or a life coach or a singer or kind of a creative savant. But Nick Cooper is really a person that genuinely wants to breathe life into humanity and help people rise. I'm a person that literally wants to liberate voices one person at a time. I've, I've worked with a lot of singers. Um, I come in under the guise of teaching them how to sing. Right. But what I really do is I really teach them how to fall in love with their their thumbprint, which brings them into a greater place of authenticity and uh, and belief in themselves. 
My thumbprint once got me arrested. Oh, 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 um, oh, oh. <laughs> wow, I even botched the joke. I started to do it. Um, no, but that's awesome. Uh, you know, so give us to, give us a little bit of a rundown of some of the people you've worked with. I have one other quote I'm going to read, and then I'm going to let you go. Right? Got um, not go like leave, but yeah. like let you go and, and go forth and with your with your spiel. But um, no spiel. <laughs> I can we say spiel for five hundred? <laughs> one, two, three, uh, spiel. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, Beyonce didn't speak French prior to meeting Nick. He oh, helped her learn the song in two hours, and that ultimately, one. it was one of the most remembered and talked about Oscar performances in history. You had to go down into like the cauldron and pull out all the skeletons. Right? <laughs> you know, a girl named Kim Burst called me in at the last minute. She said, "You know what, Nick? We want you to work with uh, Beyonce." And I said, okay, I, I kind of know who she is. So, <laughs> be who? Beyonce. So, so I walked in. They said, uh, not only are you going to work with her, but you literally only have an hour to pull it off. She may not like you when you walk in. So if she doesn't, uh, we're probably going to be, you're gonna, we're going to replace you. Right? So wow. as I was. Was there like in, a line around the block of just uh, <laughs> of other coaches? Like, yeah, choose Amara, him. So, <laughs> So so she walks in. Bill Conti is looking, breathing down my neck. Uh, the director of the Oscars is there as well. And before I knew it, she walked in and she was just completely comfortable. We jumped in. What was supposed to be one hour turned into a week. And it was an amazing experience. She not only let me work with her, but I arranged the whole song for her. It was awesome. Wow. Nice. Do you yeah. speak French? Uh, no. So how, did, how does that work? Because, I mean, you, you look at, like, music as a universal language. Yeah. You know, how do you take a French song with a gigantic star like Beyonce and get her to, A, you know, speak correctly or say your pronunciations, yeah. all that stuff, right? And, and neither of you even speak, speak the language. <laughs> I mean, there has to be, like, some magical science to that. I would there was definitely something magical. It wasn't science, per se. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I grew up singing in several languages. I mean, a little background on me is that, you know, by 13, I was actually uh, doing my first drug-free zone campaign for NBC. By 16, I was on Broadway. Wow. And I did my first recording when I was 11. Um, and so I did everything from performing for the president, Ronald Reagan, um, in school as a kid, um, singing classical music. I sang in all sorts of languages. And so what I really learned early on was that there's really no difference between singing a French song and an English song. The only difference is the phonics and the placement of vowels and such. And so once I got her to memorize the vowels, it all made sense. Hmm. I had my translator there. To kind of work the science out for right. me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, c'est bon. Vous <laughs> Bless you. Exactly. <laughs> and that's how it came out. Gesundheit. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, you started to talk a little bit about, like, this whole transformative, you being an anomaly, right, where you say there's basically a life coach, singing coach, um, but... It's really transformational. Like you're you're helping people find their more of a philosophical voice than a, an actual outward voice. Um, in this, for the purposes of this show, we talk a lot about innovation and marketing and brands. And I believe that what you do is help bring out someone's personal brand. Right? What's your Fair personal much. mission mission statement? How can you live that through your art and through your life so that there's a you know that that bridge is always intact. Um, how do you go, like, how, what, what is the process by which that happens? You know, it's a beautiful question um, and very well stated. I think what typically happens with, with every client that I work with is that there's one thread of continuity that's woven through all of them. All of them genuinely are looking to liberate something. What that is quite often is fear, <laughs> right? So the moment, the moment they walk in, you know, I, I usually have two questions. What do you want and what are you afraid of? When I ask them what they want, I can tell whether or not they're telling me the truth by their body language. When I ask them what they're afraid of, I can tell whether or not they're being truthful with themselves by whether or not they completely let go. Right. So when that happens, it automatically kind of defines kind of the archetype of two things, who they are and where we need to go. So the process for me is really simple. I usually just try to get them to fall in love with themselves. Right. Every person that comes in is afraid to be who they are. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we go back to the thumbprint, the, the thread of continuity for me is who are you, what are you running from, and why are you running from it? And then I 
force them to deal with it as quickly as possible. And hopefully it will either get them to fall in love with their voice or fall in love with who they are. And what are, what are some common responses, both on the what do you want and the what do you fear? Uh, boy, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is, uh, why the heck did I show up? <laughs> I didn't know y'all. I came here to sing. I didn't came here to, to, to cry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> You've heard some things. <laughs> the first thing that usually happens, people are like, what are you doing to me? Right. Stop it. What are you doing? Going to me, but but I think to both of you, what people don't realize when you talk about bringing out the personal brand, the personal brand of an artistry is in direct proportion of someone's belief and understanding of who they are. The moment you don't understand who you are, it's almost like an airplane that's on a tarmac trying to take off. Right. Yeah. You only take off to the extent that you really know the the authentic nature of you and are willing to fully express it to other people. Most people aren't willing to do that. Right. So there's huge pushback. pushback. The more pushback we see, the more work I know I have to do. <laughs> well, it's also like, and it's also a very uncomfortable process. I mean, even from the things that you have individuals do, yeah. I mean, trans- transformation alone is uncomfortable. It's like, yeah. it's, 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 what is it? The quote is like, people don't like, it's not that people don't like uh, change, it's that they don't like the transition. That's right. The transition yeah. is the part that's like, ah, this is not cool. So, I don't know if they're proprietary or not, but like, what can I talk about a couple of like the tactics that I know of? Yes, you, yes, you can. Like in in oh. one instance, Robert, I'll tell you this because I'm going to ask you to do it later. Oh, oh god, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, like you know how people, someone call out Statue of Liberty and stand like the Statue of Liberty, or sing, look at yourself singing in the mirror, like in front of people, <clears throat> or like have somebody a few inches from your face. Right. Why are you doing it? Like to break through these sorts of just our own constraints? Like I, uh, you tell me what the well, the what, science behind this. Right. Well, I'll tell you what goes on. If we if we for a quick moment say Statue of Liberty, Statue of Liberty. So Robert, Statue, forever, so. Robert, join us, man. Yeah, You've been a lone bastion over that. Sorry, I, I thought I was doing it. <laughs> See, give me your perfect subject. Statue of Liberty one more time. Well, I like this. He's holding up a water bottle, ladies. <laughs> so so Statue, hold it for a quick second. Oh, sorry. So what's happening with Statue of Liberty is that you can't liberate others until you liberate yourself, and so we're a Statue of Liberation. And so everything that we do has a, has a kind of a body mechanic behind it. Mm-hmm. What we don't realize is that when you're in that position, you're actually letting go of this whole area over here, the thoracic cavity and the intercostal muscles, which allow you to hit the notes better. Oh. If we look at Celine Dion saying quite often, she has her hand in the air kind of cocked back to open the thoracic cavity. So if we go to bite the apple, bite the apple, pretend like you're biting the apple, you can't literally share your gift until you take a bite out of life. So the first bite that you need to take is your own. Hmm. So I get people to take a bite out of the apple, but what they really don't understand is that I'm telling them to open their mouths. That is right? fascinating. So, it is fascinating, I, right? I seriously, I seriously had no idea about this. Like the, I'm sorry, you guys can't see. <laughs> He's tickling himself. Yeah, I'm tickling like, myself. What is he doing over there, Chris? It's like underneath your arm, you know, towards your rib cage. Um, that's it's the, the point. It's yeah, the thoracic cavity. Yeah, the weird So if you actually do this one right quick, say hello world. Hello, world. Hold your, hold your hands oh, out. sorry. So if you say, hello, world. Hello, world. So when we go back to finding branding for people, um, quite often what people do not do is they don't open themselves up to share who they really are. You can't ask anyone else to fall in love with you until you say, you're willing to say hello to the world freely. Does that make sense? It now, does. What, we, what we don't know about that is the moment you do this, yet again, it opens the chest to allow more air to rush in, hmm. which allows you to hit the notes better. Interesting. <laughs> My really mind is blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Nick does. He is he he blows minds. It's like I'm 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 looking back at all the performances I've seen and it's you know it is it's all stuff. three of those moves. Yeah, it's, it's all three of those moves. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, how did this happen for you, right? Well, I mean, you gave us a little bit of your background, um, and you find, like, there's a lot of talented kids out there. There's a lot of talented adults. Mm-hmm. They don't all see the levels of success that you've seen. Um, how did you end up here? And especially, you know, most people, when you ask them what do they want, like, they want to be in front of the camera, they want you know they 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 want to they want the the recognition or the 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 surface things I'll call them. That's right. But uh, how did you end up here? And you go look, I'm going to help you bring out the best in you, and and also not only make that decision, it actually taking off and being successful. 
Well, I, you know, I think if we go back to what Nelson Mandela said, Nelson Mandela said, who are you to minimize your greatness to make other people around you feel inadequate? Right. And so to me, that basically means that why would you walk in the room and choose to be a 75-watt bulb when you know you're a halogen? I share that because I can't ask anyone to share how bright they are unless I first am willing to share my brightness. So when you ask, how did this happen? The transition for me happened really simple. I had no clue that I'd be a voice coach. I never wanted to be a voice coach. I never thought that I'd ever do this. But my voice coach, I worked with him for 10 years when he died. He said, Nick, just before he died, he said, Nick, you'll never know what I taught you until I'm no longer here. And when he said that, it touched me so much <laughs> because he died. A week later, I was actually at a picnic with a guy named Kenny Lattimore. Someone came up to him and said, I want you to teach me how to sing. He said, no, no, no. You need to talk to that guy who's taught me. That one guy turned me on to 20 people. And before I knew it, I had a business. Wow. But what I realized was that my coach never really taught me how to sing. He really taught me to believe in myself and to get out of the way of all the, all the limitations, all the inhibitors in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he, did, he was someone that didn't want me to major in music. He didn't want me to, to be around music at all. He kind of wanted God's gift to kind of shine and, uh, and to kind of beef up my belief in myself and for me to understand business. Right. Which kind of leads me to the other part of my life. Yes. Which is a good transition, right? You know, I... Um I, when you say people like to liken you to something, um, I have a tendency to liken you to a Ryan Seacrest, oh. if you will, um, with with better vocal pipes. Like, <laughs> uh, although, I, uh, yeah, exactly. Although I've never heard Ryan Seacrest sing, I don't know if. So maybe there's a challenge. There's a challenge. Oh, you just got to issue a challenge. Hold up, Ryan hold up. Seacrest? I'm on American Idol, Ryan. Where you at, buddy? Where you at, brother? <laughs> Hello. But no, just in terms of like, because you also, uh, there's a, you, you, you go to China a lot. Very right? much so. Um, tell us why. <laughs> Part of it is uh, musically oriented, correct? Part of it's musically oriented. I've actually uh, been working in China for 17 years and started off working with rock records. Uh, I was the first American to ever record for a pop star in Beijing, which resulted in an Artist of the Year award. And that transitioned into me working in China for the next 10 years. And they said that my work in Taiwan has helped to revolutionize the pop and urban landscape of, uh, of music throughout the land. Um, that actually subsequently uh, turned into me working with Hunan Television, where I was the first American to have a one-hour special in my life. 200 million people saw that episode at Nielsen number two. I walked in and they were like, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> and so I looked at my, my, my business partner and he was like, uh, yes, Nick, do what I think you're thinking. So I said, that means that I'm going to produce the segment. So right. they were like, you're a producer? So you're I like, said, yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> so they said, I got this podcast, by the way. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Innovation Garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds great. <laughs> that actually led to me being the creative producer for uh, a show called Up Junior. And it was the first time in history that an American had ever been a a creative director and a judge on a TV show for that country. And now I'm actually working directly with the government, the Minister of Culture and Minister of Education, to provide them with cultural kind of issues to help kids fall in love with the culture and, and uh, the values of who they are. That's beautiful. Uh, so how much time are you spending in Asia versus oh, gosh. here? Or are you just like <laughs> Chris? You, <laughs> Chris, you know me. The the preface of you calling me is, uh, "Where are you? <laughs> are you in the country?" <laughs> right, exactly. So, so I'm usually out of the country about about five months out of the year. Right. Wow. Yeah. Hence me needing someone like you. Hint, hint on my team. Hint, hint, <laughs> ladies hey, and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, live on the air. <laughs> <laughs> but I work here. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I've been crushed. <laughs> and no innovation. <laughs> you are good. Um, so let's let's kind of go to in terms of your travel, right? Sure. You're in Monaco, was it? With uh, oh gosh, what, just kind of walk us through this period, right? <laughs> you're because you have to kind of live their life for a while, I would imagine, t in order to understand like what their day to day is like, and when you want to practice whatever it is you're doing from a musical standpoint or from a life standpoint, you yeah you have to dive deep. 
Right. And I always look at that even for Robert and I as marketers. When I say, you know, I'm working with a client, my job is to dive deep into whatever it is they are. If you mm. make couches, I'm going to learn about how the couches are made, what materials mm. they are, how mm. what people's sleeping patterns are. Why is mm. it convenient to have a six foot couch versus a nine foot couch? And mm. you want a nail shape. And so. But I'm I'm not a couch manufacturer, right? And mm. <laughs> so, mm. but I need to I need to learn about these people, and I think it's the same thing as as you, where you have to yeah. learn about their habits and day to day in and outs, mm. and you know, watch them live through some of the hurdles that you that mm. you mentioned earlier. So, kind of, I guess, just give us the abbreviated walkthrough of the trip with uh, the Formula One. My gosh, <laughs> you know. Th- uh, aside from Lewis Hamilton being the one of the the most recognized drivers in the world, um, you know, imagine for a moment being flown from L.A. to London. From London to Milan, you're going on a private jet, right? When you get on, the stewardess asks Nick, "What do you want?" And I'm like, "Salmon." I'd like a water, shaken, nuts, stir. She didn't hand you a menu. She just asked you what <laughs> just, you want. Yeah, she said, what do you want? I said, salmon, water, no rocks, shaken, nuts, stirred, a twist of lemon, and let's do this. <laughs> so we take off, right? We get to Monaco. We get to Milan. We toy around there for a while. We leave that trip from a helicopter, go back to Monaco. From Monaco, we go, to, uh, we go back to London. Then we go to Zurich. Then we come back to Monaco. Then I actually go to... Korea, I go to Japan, I go to Bali. No, I go to Singapore first, then I go to Bali. Then we climb uh, a mountain in a place called Borneo, which was the craziest experience I've ever done in my life. I mean, if you imagine right now. Robert and I are like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. At (laughs) 11,000 foot mountain, it was crazy. Um, But to get to your question, you really have to get into the head of a driver. Now, first off, you're driving 200 or more miles an hour around a track, like several times for almost an hour, right? right? So the the mindset of someone that's driving <laughs> 200 miles an hour with a bunch of other people with a bunch of other people f- thing for fun right next to them, exactly. volunteering to do it, <laughs> getting paid or not, you're still driving 200 miles an hour. You have to be just a tad off. Right. <laughs> so to go in and tell someone that you want to teach them how to do, how to sing and to change a pattern. Right. It was quite interesting. Um, we ended up having several breakthroughs. Uh, I think the primary breakthrough that I had with him was that he realized that his real passion was singing. He realized that I, I was able to kind of take him back to his childhood. And he realized that similar to the couch theory, when I got in and kind of listened to what his heart, what his pulse was really saying. His post was really saying that the $40 million paycheck every year from (laughs) Formula One was keeping him in the car. But the passion was clearly being able to share his voice through music. Right. And when we go back to the mirror theory, when I got inside, it was really getting him to fall in love with his real truth. And the truth was, yeah, you get paid to be in this great vehicle, but the vehicle we really wanted to be in was the vehicle of music. And that's that's kind of the theory that I take with anyone, no matter where I am in the world, um, whether I'm in China, whether I've been in Norway and Africa. I was just asked to go to Africa this morning to work with a new artist there. Anyone that I work with, my ultimate goal is to bring out the best from the inside out. I believe that at the end of the day, winning is an inside job. And if I can get someone to win from the inside out, believing that they can do what they never thought they could, singing becomes a byproduct. And then they walk away with hopefully a great singing gift, but they also walk away with a gift from me, which is the belief in who they are and the ability to express it. Right. So, and as we touched on a little bit earlier, a lot of these principles and practices you've been implementing for years. Very much so. um, Also translate to business. Very much. Um, kind of, I don't know, just if you can break down, at least from your perspective, what are some of the connective tissues that you see between working with an individual creative person or an entity that's set up you know, with hundreds, if not thousands of, of employees? It's a great question. It's a fascinating question. I, you know, I think we, we all here have an understanding, or at least a cursory understanding of the entertainment industry. Um, the, indus- the entertainment industry, as we all know, is predicated on ideas and facts. 
you know, people come with several ideas and then they have facts which are mile markers that let us know what people have done that we know has worked. The connective tissue for me is that if I can, if I can develop, deploy, and then hopefully get other people to fall in love with an artist, I can do that with anything. (laughs) If I can develop a concept, getting someone to believe that they can do something that they never thought they can do, they could not sing when I first met them. Now I get them to believe that they can sing and then package it such that other people believe in their belief and then buy it. If I can do that, I can do anything. So the connective tissue for me is really simple. I've realized along the way that um, I believe that everything comes down to advertising. But we all have to be conscious of what's being advertised. Um, what I learned in China, you know, if we were to share what I'm currently working on, yeah. um, one of the things that I'm working on right now in China is really getting uh, the government to create a, a structure, a paradigm that's very similar to Disney. And it's them creating movies, television shows, uh, fashion, and the whole shot, similar to a Disney. Are we going to get a Chinese Miley Cyrus? Ah, uh, we may. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Brooklyn. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, show's over. You should have seen his smile. <laughs> We're gonna take his daughter over there. <laughs> He's smiling, wow. y'all. That that was that was a good one. That was okay. good one. Usually I think I'm he the... just went out of character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crushed. <laughs> On innovation. On so keep going then. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's, let's keep this. Let's keep this going, buddy. <laughs> no, you you know I, I think I think when we actually start talking about business, guys, um, I think that a lot of people get so myopic in business. Um, one of the things that you and I talk about a lot is how do you focus? How do you have all these ideas and then kind of figure out which one to focus on? You know, I think the record theory is that you throw, you find 10 artists and then you throw them against the wall and you figure out which one sticks. And the one that sticks is typically the one that you kind of want to start developing. But there's no, it's just like potential. That person that you developed isn't destined to come to fruition and no one's destined to fall in love with them. The sticky tissue for me is I've realized that, you know, all of us have this kind of intuitive nature that lets us know whether the thing that we're doing is right or wrong. And you have to pay attention to it. And you have to be so keenly in touch with your authenticity that no one else can dissuade you from thinking that what you are connected to and are about to do is wrong. Whether you're connected to five other things or 15 other things, your belief has to be so strong your why has to be so powerful that no one else can take you off the hook from believing in that. I had a dream to to develop a 15,000 square foot space downtown. And everyone said, Nick, you're absolutely nuts. <laughs> you're nuts. It's a down economy. Why would you do it? And I realized, man, everything that's ever taken off has taken off in an economy where people weren't doing well. Right. Yeah. You know, so. You know, I'm proof positive that a little chocolate guy can, you know, <laughs> build out a 15,000 square foot space and, and bring in the right people into the sandbox to have fun. That's great. Um, and I also think about, like, uh, a lot of times when you – the transition sounds awesome, right? It sounds great that, I, oh, you know, in X amount of time – not even you don't have to put a time on it, but I want to be there. You know, I want to go from here to there. But a lot of times, especially when you talk about companies or individuals, like, you feel like you've – invested so much time into the point that you've gotten to the pivot is what's difficult right and mm-hmm. it's i mean you find this with on the services side where somebody says we want the never the thing that's never been seen before and then you give them you know those those five potential ideas that haven't been seen before that and they love them and they're like they're so into them and at the end of the day it's like but we're just going to buy some ads on, you know, Facebook. <laughs> you know, it, it be, and so I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what the question is per se, but it's just this idea of there's that pivot point that everyone hits. Um, how do you get past that, right? Because, you know, that's what you're saying is you, you've got this goal in mind, but, you know, and you can see yourself. And even if you've asked yourself mm. all the whys, like, okay, great. Mm. This, is, this is where I line. This is perfect for me. Mm. Uh, but then life happens or the past is still there. Mm, mm, mm. I, I think that at some point you have to align yourself with, yet again, what I call your truth. Um, and even from a company culture 
uh, perspective. I think that companies have to be really honest with what's needed to progress. We, we all know that everyone's trying to hit either critical mass or they're trying to take their companies to the next you know, level. Um, I think a lot of companies, and don't get me wrong, I think a lot of companies don't know what they don't know and they really don't know. They really don't. All of them are trying to figure out this next iteration of, you know, innovation, this next iteration of being on net and creating channels and doing all this fun stuff. So when we come to pivoting, I think someone has to do their due diligence in really looking at the market, not for where it is, but where it can potentially go. Because the way the way innovation happens, it's happening in such real time that the moment you're creating a, a product or a project for right now, it's not relevant six months. Right. So <laughs> the goal is figuring out, man, how can I work backwards from a three month, a three year perspective, and then bring in the right assets or people, ideation, you know, uh, products, whatever, to bring that puppy to fruition. So the pivot for me is, number one, I think, being really honest with where the company is, where the culture is, and what's needed to take it to the next level. And then I think more important, it's saying, you know what? The current place that I'm in right now, is this in direct alignment with where I want to be three years from now? Right. Or am I only doing this kind of being sedentary because everyone is familiar with my current culture and direction? You, I think you have to be malleable. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm learning in the industry. Yeah, people know me as a voice coach. People know me as a singer in the whole shot, sometimes a creative director. But I, I forever have to be the guy that's changing and, as you said, beautifully, pivoting based on a five-bucket theory. If, and that's how I live my life. I right. live it by five buckets. At any time, I'm looking at which bucket is bringing the greatest yield. Mm-hmm. If a bucket, if bucket isn't bringing a yield, I have to Kick go to the, the one that is. Kick the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> what are the five buckets? <clears throat> you know uh, how to get uh, right in uh, there, right. don't you? No, no, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I, want a, I want a bucket. <laughs> you know, I mean, right now. Aside I, from my car. No, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> he has a Porsche, ladies uh, and gentlemen. He has a Porsche. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> um, you know what? Two buckets for me, real simple. Um, the the Chinese piece that I'm working on is huge. Right. Um, Helium TV. You know, I'm really trying to get that off the ground, which is my online television network bringing in the top thought leaders and change agents to pass a baton off to the next generation. Right. Um, and then the other piece for me, really simple, is is uh, this new project that I'm working on. That's I've really been searching for a way to give back. As a kid, when I was 16, in order for me to kind of hone my craft, my mother used to let me go down to the Smithsonian, I would, and I would sing to the homeless. And I developed this fond, just kind of connection to homelessness. I right. would go down and ask them their favorite song, and I would keep singing songs until they smiled. And so when I was in London this last trip, it was an awesome trip, Robert. You know, because while I was there, I saw this container that was full of just a bunch of just ideas. This person had cut out the top of it, three holes and had skylights and had water coming in and it turned it into a house. And I was like, are you kidding me? We could take all of the containers around the world and go into the shanties in Africa, tie in this new water project that Coke just launched to, you know, to (laughs) revitalize water. We can pull in this guy in India that created the $40 computer to create learning centers in the shanties in Africa for pennies on the dollar. And so I went over to work with uh, Mel B from the Spice Girls, Mm -hmm. and she was like, Nick, you know what? I'll help you out with that. And so, you know, that's actually the bucket that I'm most passionate about that. That Helium TV and the China piece. The China piece is taking care of itself. Right. Helium TV, I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about getting in the right people. But this piece is really near and dear to me. Now, how do you balance it all? You know, I find that a lot of individuals and or companies, right, like they have a ton of initiatives. And it is, you know, uh, we there's a conversation we had earlier where it's like, most advice is to focus on one thing, which we started on this conversation. How, how, where do you see the path to success on these multiple buckets? And I understand, like, yes, priority shift, but you know, where, where does, uh, how do you just see that path to to the success on on both both three 
or all five buckets? You know, um, with with regards to it's a great question. I think the path to success is uh, yet again connected to your focus. Um, I believe that uh, many people aren't able to focus at all. You know, I think that men, especially creatives or visionaries, visionaries come up with these pie in the sky ideas that are sometimes somewhat esoteric and they're out there and floating and, you know, they need someone that's pragmatic to bring them down. But what I found is um, the three projects that I'm working on, I, I have, you asked how I personally do it. I have a business partner in China that's basically able to handle a lot of the things that I'm doing. And then I brought someone to America to take care of all of the things here. So all the things that I'm doing in China is actually now taken care of by – I brought on some people from Odesk to mm-hmm. do some virtual things for me. Right. Um, but I, I have a really cool team. Um, the, the latest project that's near and dear to my heart, this is actually a new labor of love. So that one's, that one's kind of out there. Sure. <laughs> so that's going to that's gonna be waiting in the wings for a while because it's not going to yield any income. Um, but for me – I'm, I stay focused by two things. I know that the coaching business, it's self-sustaining. I really don't have to go and look for clients. Clients just kind of call. Right. And I'm really blessed in that. Um, the thing that I'm lacking, I think that if I can speak to the positive, I have to speak to the negative. The, the, the Achilles heel with me is that my presence now isn't strong. So I really need a stronger social presence. I think what's missing for me is kind of a, a Nick Cooper brands kind of right. site that galvanizes all of my collective ideas into one centralized location so that people can go there and everything else falls under the auspices of that. Talk to Robert. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That's actually exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> he just whipped out his resume out of his uh, lapel pocket. Like, oh, it's funny oh, you should that, say. He's back to Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Statue of Liberty, like a resume pops out of his armpit. <laughs> That's exactly what I need. That's okay. what I need. Um, sure. Really excited about that. We should definitely talk. After the podcast, <laughs> love it. yeah, that's great. Wow, there's a lot of business happening on this uh, on this show. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to music for a second. Talk to me. Um, Did that answer your question? No, it's a great answer. I think I don't even know. Some halftime, I don't know what I'm asking. Okay. So I go back and I listen to it. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that was okay. Um, no, so you know, a lot of what we look at on the show also are just trends, right? Like, how what are the things that people are excited about? Um, the music industry in and of itself is in complete, I mean, some say upheaval. Others, if you're on the consumption side, you're like, wow, there's a bunch of stuff out there for me. But if you're trying to make it, right, it, you've, got a, you've got a lot of clutter to cut through. Um, and, and so, I mean, I can go on YouTube and find, right now, I can probably pull up 50 awesome singers, you know, awesome musicians, awesome Video creator, people who have done that's written a song, but I'll take it. No, I'm, I'm saying it, 50 out of you know, you're talking 800 million people on okay. YouTube. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. so, but but they're easy to you know, they're those are sort of easier to find, right? Yes, but the Ish. right, <laughs> I guess you're correcting me as we go, but it's just kind of like what sort of tactics do those sorts of people need to take? Like, if I am on YouTube and I'm really talented and I've 117 people have seen my video, <laughs> right? Um, just like, what have you seen in, in terms of the shifts in how artists are breaking and coming up and what sorts of skill sets they need that are different than five, ten years ago? Yeah, I, I think I think what most artists need to begin with is being honest because a lot of them, um, pardon me, everyone out there, but some of you think that you can sing and before you get on YouTube, I think you need to become a student of the craft, and I think that YouTube has, I hate to say this, but I think it's, it's watered down the artistry. I think it is, it is marginalized what at one time was for the exceptional. Mm-hmm. And it has opened this gate to everyone to almost celebrate mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And, and largely predicated just on metrics. On right. someone having numbers and views and all this other stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. going back to your question in terms of what's needed to become successful, I think you need to be a student of the craft just because your mother and father have a little bit of money and you can possibly go to me or some other people to create a great YouTube video. That does not cut it because when you go in and someone asks you to really sing, a lot of people can't do it. 
Right. You know, they I, can sing that one song. They can sing that the, one song, <laughs> or, or or they're like, "Well, hold on, I need the track." Or right. can we do it through auto tune? So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just think it's I think it's really important when we go back to the 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 landscape of the industry right now. I think the industry is in a great position because I think it's on its head so much that the innovators are being called upon right now to come up with the next iteration of where we're going. I mean, when we look at people like Jimmy Iovine, who is a, he's a, just like, he's a monster in the world of music and, and, and technology. This guy is known as a technologist and he's one of the figureheads. He's one of the pillars of the music industry. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that people first need to realize that we're not in the industry of music anymore. We're in the industry now of being able to create a really strong message and a strong product that's connected to it. And if you sell the wrong message, no viral activity. Well, that's where, and I think that's where the brand comes in, right? Like, Absolutely. you know, I think artists need a brand. And I look, I look at everything as movements, right? And, and even when you look at record sales now and how they're not as high as they once were for many artists, not all of them, but, um, you know, the album is almost an advertisement for everything else that they're doing. Right? That's what I'm saying. It's all for all the other verticals. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, that used to be the end game, though, right? Like, yeah. you know, you sell a bunch of albums, you may go on tour to promote the album, right? But now it's, now it's vice versa. Like, you're, yeah. you're... Don't even care about the album. <laughs> right, right, right. That's why mixtapes are, like, mixtapes come a dime a dozen. You know, people, like, so many collaborations happen. Like, and I don't even know what the business is behind that. Like, oh, Justin Bieber and Tiger, they're doing a song together. And you're like, okay, great. And... I can't find it on YouTube. Like, it's just, <laughs> you know, that's not chopped and screwed or like so. But it's a you know, it's a lot of buzz. It's great for both of them. It's great marketing. And then it's I think every every move you make is sort of a springboard to make another move. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so, I, but I wanted your insight on that just just because you know, just being on the inside, yeah. looking in. If, if I can say that, <laughs> you know, if hmm. I can share, I'm gonna revisit this. Can we edit, Anthony? Uh, we, okay, great, good. Can I share one thing to that though? Sure. I, I think, I think when you actually look at the, uh, and I hope I don't, I don't go down don't, flames on this. Be unfiltered. Just go okay. for it. I, I think, I think when you actually look at the industry for what it is right now, the people who are doing best are people who really understand what the industry really is. You know, you have a lot of the a lot of the people in the urban game and the rap game who actually started off doing things that were illegal. And then they cleaned up and now they're in the entertainment business and they kind of transitioned what was a music thing into business as we were talking earlier. Right. And that hustle has now gotten them to become the presidents of labels. Right. Right? So I think I think if we really look at where the transition is, where's music going? What does it take to really survive in the climate of today? I think that number one, you have to be able to stand out. And and how do you do that? It's not just by having a great website. It's figuring out what what is your sweet spot. Everyone today is all trying to figure out, man, this person's doing well, so they want to go create a sound just like that. Well, that person has a great track and they want to create, they want to duplicate that same track. The goal is to find out what your sweet spot is. The goal is to find out what images are best for you and then to connect with a team. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. Right. Connect with a team who, that knows what they're doing. Not just someone that you're paying a lot of money to who says they understand social media and can beef up and inject Chris helium Robert, into you a just, couple uh, of numbers. Are not on, no longer available. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gotta go. Guys. <laughs> Get a team, y'all. Right. No, that's great. And, and you know, I, sometimes that all that also sounds easier than it is to to find a team because you know you've and i want to back up a little bit because there was a remember jason okuma was on the show mm-hmm. and one of the things that along these lines that he's he's left us with was all so many companies write vision statements um for how they're going to lead 10 50 100 thousand 25 thousand employees and get everybody aligned with that statement. Hmm. Very few people write vision statements for their life. Hmm. And so, you know, so yes, like when you're trying to put a team together, it's like, oh, 
Nick sounds great. Robert sounds really cool. Like you guys have even from a fashionable sense, like you guys have two different vibes and like I may mm-hmm. like both of them, but if I don't know who I am as an artist, like I'm going to just be kind of doing double dutch to figure out who, you know, who's going who's going <laughs> to like me yep. as opposed to saying like, okay, this is who, you know, this is who I am and Robert aligns because he, you know, he wears fancy glasses, um, <laughs> or whatever, you know, whatever the, those things are that align with that that personal personal mission statement. Hmm. Um, I mean, do you think? Do you agree that that it kind of starts there? I think so. I think you're. I think you're right on the button. I think that a lot of people, because you don't know what you want, right. you don't know who to who to go ask. Right. You know, when you go ask someone, you're asking based on pedigree rather than you know the person connecting with you. I think where people get lost is they get caught up in the resume and not a connection. Right. You know, if you don't connect with the person, stay away from the person. And I see this even from the perspective of, of companies. I think that if you're starting off as a company and you're hiring employees that you don't have a direct connection with, there's no direct like fire, no polarity there with, with that person. Stay away from the person. Right. Yeah. I think it's the same way for artistry. It's the same exact way. Yeah, you, uh, you'll find a lot, a lot of successful CEOs will do that. Like, you know, they'll meet with somebody and be like, okay, great. Like, you don't, you don't need to see a resume. You yeah, don't, I don't need to see it. It's, like, <laughs> it is, is, is that connection. I believe you can do the work because we have a rapport. Like, I, because it's all relationships. It's all, like, adjusting and pivoting and being able to have an open conversation with some, someone, uh, you know, along the way. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think to that point, too, it's, it's a lot about, you know, you don't really need a, a resume to kind of show that you can get stuff done. You know, like um, if me and Chris kind of just kind of met and, you know, he seemed like a hardworking guy, like you kind of carry that on into other aspects of your life, not just work. You know, like I would be a hard worker no matter where I went, whether I'm at LEG or, you know, at right. what, what have you. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of like your personality. And then that's back to you saying, you know, know about who you are and, you know, what you want to represent and right. you know show people so i think that kind of circles it all back in yeah and, and uh, hmm. along those lines nice. i also look at like how people are in their personal life and their professional life yeah, right? like, yeah, yeah. you know if you go home and, and beat your kids <laughs> like but, you, but everybody likes you at work like there's there's you know that's going to crumble mm-hmm. you know yeah, um, which i do both of those things okay but um, <laughs> so so watch me crumble into <laughs> company the new company crumbles <laughs> innovation ladies crumble. and gentlemen yeah innovation yeah innovation, innovation crumbles. Crumbles. Innovation crumbles. <laughs> yeah we've all been crushed <laughs> the house of cards for real <laughs> um so we've we've had a good conversation haven't we I, man i'm really enjoying this man any last great. questions uh yes i want you to complete a phrase for me uh-oh um innovation to me is hmm innovation to me is living beyond what other people expect of you it's living outside the box it's walking in the essence of who you are uh innovation to me is um, living a dream that's bigger than anything that you think you can do. Um, and then deciding to breathe life into it to help not only yourself, but humanity and, and all the people that are closest to you. Um, and I, I would say the last thing, innovation to me is being able to, uh, on a daily basis, wake up and recognize that life is a series of, of making yesterday's wrong turns right. And uh, it doesn't matter if you've messed up. Innovation is deciding that you're going to do all the things that are just crazy, you know, whether they make sense or not. Yeah. Fulfilling a purpose where other people aren't looking. That was awesome. That's great. It was really good. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other questions for us? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to know more about what you do, Robert. Oh, <laughs> on air? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean here's, here's one of the questions I have. Where do you think, with regards to artistry, mm-hmm. where does a website fit in and, and when is it needed? Because I get a lot of artists that come to me quite often are parents who have spent sometimes a quarter of a million dollars on their artist, mm-hmm. on their kid. At what point does a child need a website? Is it when they're just launching or should they develop some sort of online traction first, maybe on YouTube or film some videos, have that kind of in the queue, and then come out with the site? Um, honestly, I would 
personally suggest uh, getting them like up to date on social first before like a actual um, website or you know building something out like that because with a website you know you would have to go through like a dev stage process and you yeah. know build actually build the site go through like stages of revision you know go through copy so th- there's just a little more process to that whereas on a social platform like if they were to sign up on Twitter Instagram Facebook you can kind of curate your own content mm-hmm. so you know like uh, if you were a photographer you know um, or let's you know since you are vocal coach a singer um, on Instagram, you know, you could post your 15 second audio, you know, um, it doesn't have to be a full on YouTube thing where people have to go see it. You know, it could just be sharing that you can sing with your friends, you know, and mm-hmm. if, if they think you're good, maybe they'll share it. You know, it kind of, I think it'll serve you better to be on social than uh, to have a website. Um, that's oh, not wow. to say that you don't need a website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, no, I, I think I, there's different I agree, stages. I agree of, uh, from a different perspective as well. It, because a young artist, right, hasn't truly defined who they are, right? right? You know, they haven't defined a brand. Like, I would love if I were an executive to go feel like this person is packaged. Mm-hmm. And what the social element allows you to do is test, mm-hmm. right? You, could, mm-hmm. you can test things. But if you go out and, like you said, build this website, and it's all based on me as the, the you know, the urban b-boy, like, choir singer. You're like, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't work. Like, you just built this website, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then people have taken screenshots of you. It's like, remember that time? Right. You went out as the urban <laughs> people <laughs> quiet singer. I'm trying to figure that out. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, how does it drop? Well, trust me, you'll see. Uh, watch me on Halloween next year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Nick, I want to thank you for thank you so coming much, by. Ryan. This was awesome. Yeah. Um, everyone, this has been another incredible I was going to say exciting inciting exciting uh, episode of Innovation Crush thank you Innovation Crush thank you Robert for your awesome echoes that's what Um, I'm here for and thank you Anthony for uh, pushing the buttons over there All right, see you guys (laughs) if you like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash Wait for it, comedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.